Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Well, this was a very long week. This was another one of those weeks that feels like it was about a month long, and obviously there is a lot of stuff to discuss from this past week. So let's go ahead and just start where I have been starting, and that is with the unemployment numbers. Um, For the week ending on May the 30th, we have now gotten down to, and it's it's so sad that this is like something to be happy about, but we have gotten down to 1.877 million people filing for unemployment for the first time for the week ending May 30th, which means we have gotten it under the 2 million mark. So there's that. Um, obviously, it's the lowest it's been in the, in the past 10 weeks since we've started documenting this ever since the whole COVID crisis started. So unemployment is coming down a bit week over week. And like I said, we finally got below the 2 million mark. So I guess the next metric is 1.5 million. Hopefully we will get there within the next week or two because the other thing that happened employment related this week is we got the jobs report for April. And no, excuse me, we got the jobs report for May. And surprisingly enough, and nobody was really predicting this, so this is kind of another bit of a ray of sunshine, good news. Not a lot of it this week, but there's a little bit of good news. Um, In May, we gained 2.5 million jobs compared to where we were at in April. Now, that is impressive. That is good news. However... We are still very, 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 very far in the hole, given that in April, we lost 20.7 million jobs, and in March, we lost 701,000 jobs. So while gaining those 2.5 million jobs, like I said, most economists were predicting either flat or still job loss for May. So uptick is good. Um, the uptick is most notable in like the restaurant and the leisure hospitality industries. And there's a couple different theories about that. We don't really have the granular data yet that won't come out till later this month about location and how things are panning out state by state. But a lot of people are speculating that the PPP program helped out a lot. Um, states reopening helped out. Um, states kind of modifying stay-at-home orders to allow limited use of restaurants and leisure facilities is helpful. So hopefully kind of starting to get out of the hole a little bit. And of course, some people, including President Trump, have decided to take the numbers out of context and basically be like, yay, we gained 2.5 million jobs. Woohoo, the economy is back on track. And that's not entirely it. Because like I said, obviously, we are still deeply, deeply in the hole job-wise from March and April. And kind of another thing about the jobs report is there was a bit of a misclassification in the jobs report and where they were having problems kind of discerning people who were coming back to work sort of part-time or off furlough or people coming back entirely altogether. So depending on what numbers you're looking at, we're still at either without 
adjusting for the misclassification, we're at roughly about 13% unemployment. Adjusting for misclassification, we're at about 16% unemployment, which again, is still astronomically high. Like at the peak of the Great Depression, we were at 10%. And I'm sure everybody knows enough about history to know how economically devastating that was. So unemployment is still incredibly, incredibly high. You still have millions of people each week applying for unemployment for the first time. But at least even if you want to take the more negative 16% number, um, the number for April, our unemployment number, that was the the final adjusted number was 19.7%. So we are seeing a little tiny bit of improvement. Like I said, we're still deeply in the hole here, but it seems like we might be starting to climb out of it a little bit. Hopefully this continues. Hopefully we don't have a second wave in the summer and then we have to do this all over again. Hopefully this is sustained economic growth that we can start to maybe, 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 hopefully by the end of the year, maybe start to maybe be a little bit closer to where we were at in February fingers crossed, but at least there's a little bit of good news on the unemployment front and on the economic front where things are starting to look like they are, they, they, they are starting to pick up a little bit. And that is about the extent of the good news for this podcast. Um, actually, that's a lie. There's a little bit more good news later on, but we have a whole bunch of bad news to get through. Um, Obviously, I'm sure as everybody who has been on the internet or remotely paying attention over this past week, um, the protests that have been going on over the past week, holy shit, Um, I didn't expect things to be great, especially given where we left off last weekend and when I was talking about the on the last weekly roundup. Um, things were just kind of starting to kick off as far as the protests slash riots are concerned. Um, obviously, that has continued on throughout the week, both the protests and the rioting and the looting. But what else has popped up is many hundreds at this point of examples, filmed, documented, widely distributed examples of just police brutality on parade. Like, if you go on Twitter, um, Greg Doucette has a Twitter thread where he's basically documenting all of these. And last I checked before I started recording, I think just for the past week, we are up to 383 documented filmed instances of anything ranging from police brutality to police harassment to police covering up names and badge numbers, like just all of the police fuckery is there for you in one tweet thread if you wish to go look at it. But it has just been staggering. It has been absolutely astonishing, especially seeing as these protests are centered around protesting police brutality. Some of the shit I've seen is just so, so beyond. It's just, I I cannot, I, I cannot believe some of the shit I've seen people and and I'm not talking about cops attacking rioters and looters oh no we'll get to that in a second I'm talking about cops attacking peaceful protesters and pepper spraying them tear gassing them beating them running them over with their police cruisers like what the fuck 
And and the thing is, and I know I made this point last week, but it still bears repeating, especially given the fact that we have so many documented instances this week. They know they're being filmed and they don't care. They're still doing it. They're still doing it now. Like in a week where you, the whole point, the whole fucking point of these protests is police brutality. And the whole thing started with the filming of a police officer killing a man in broad daylight on the side of the road while being filmed. You would think that cops could figure out that maybe, maybe this is the time you would want to be on your best behavior. But it's just like, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And some of this stuff, people try to excuse away by saying, oh, it's the, it's protesters. They're yelling things at them. They're throwing things at them. I'm like, no, some of this shit is indefensible. Like if somebody throws a water bottle at you, you don't get to kneecap them with a baton. I'm sorry. No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to just pepper spray people for no damn good reason. You don't get to tear gas people just because you want to disperse a crowd. And yes, that has happened multiple times in multiple cities. Like, I, I, I'm like, even when you know that a situation is bad and even when you know that police will do some pretty fucked up things. Some of the stuff I've seen this week is just beyond the pale. And it's it's to the point where I think a lot of people who prior to this week may have been a little bit more lenient towards the cops and their behaviors in these situations. After this week, there's a lot of people who are like, no, no, you're you're right. There There is a problem. There's a systemic problem here that needs to be addressed. And the one instance that everybody seems to be kind of kind of coalescing around, the one that's made the most impact out of all of these over 300 instances is the one that took place in Buffalo, New York. Now, I'm sure you've probably seen the video. This is the one of the elderly gentleman. This is a 75-year-old man. And I think this is kind of part of it too. This is a 75-year-old white man. He's walking towards this group of cops that's going to, you would assume, just walk past him. And he looks like he's approaching them to speak to them. And then one cop takes the baton and just shoves him onto the ground. And he falls. He hits his head on the back of the pavement. And you can see the blood just coming out of the back of his head and onto the pavement. And if that wasn't enough, I, I think the part of this clip that's really really getting everybody is that after that happened, the man's on the ground, he's bleeding. There's one cop that goes to like, goes to help him and is stopped by another cop and told to keep walking. And they all kept walking while this man is bleeding from his head on the ground, this elderly man, which I mean, it's not a good idea for any of us to fall and crack our heads open on the sidewalk and be bleeding, but it's really not good for elderly people. They're a little more fragile than us. So you've got this elderly man. He's bleeding from his head on the ground and the cops just keep moving. And this seems to be the one that has made the impact. And for what it's worth, um, the the gentleman in question is still in the hospital in serious condition. Like he's seriously injured. And like I said, you can see the blood pooling out of the back of his head. Like it's it, it's a fairly fairly disturbing video, honestly. Like, you're, you're watching somebody bleed out from their head on the ground, and the cops are just walking past them. It's just like... And, and I think that's why this is the one, like... During the Civil Rights Movement, there were certain images that uh, 
were just so shocking and so appalling to the public that it kind of shocked people into understanding what the protests were about. And this one seems to me to be that one that is just that shocking and appalling because it's one of those that's like, you can't excuse it away by saying, oh, it was Antifa or some street kid or it's some some thug or, or some just young protester or some somebody throwing a water bottle or yelling at. No, it's just an old white dude who's not posing any threat. And they still did this to him, which proves my point. Don't ever think that your melanin level gives you some magical force field that cops won't fuck with you. Yes, they will. And this one might be the one where everybody just kind of finally realizes that, like, yeah, it's not just a black people problem. It's it's an everybody problem. It's police brutality doesn't just affect one group of people and that they will attack you, too. But to move back a little bit towards the incident, um, obviously, this clip was filmed and it went viral. It was filmed by a news crew, one of the local news crews, which after that, they they kind of got shoved out of the scene, too, which how the press has been treated by the police is a whole nother story, too. But so this goes viral. And <laughs> I laugh. This isn't funny. Like, this is not funny. And this is something that's happened a lot this week, too. So the the department puts out this statement saying that the older gentleman, he tripped and fell. Now, mind you, this was after everybody watched the video. We all know that man did not trip and fall. We all watched him be pushed, but they still wanted to try to go out here and lie like it was just, oh, some accident. He tripped, fell and busted his head open. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we all saw the video. Like, how are you going to lie that brazenly about something that everybody already saw? Like, the whole point that it's a story is that we all already saw it. So how are you going to lie? And it's not the first instance of a police department issuing a statement that is a lie. It's a lie, and we all know it's a lie because we all already saw the video of what actually happened. So anyway, they issue that. Everybody's basically like, who are you trying to kid? (laughs) So what ends up happening is the two officers involved, um, Aaron Torgowski and Robert McCabe, are not fired at this moment. They are suspended without pay. (sighs) I, you know, I, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but I don't understand why the fuck is it so difficult to just fire someone? <laughs> like it, like the the incident that happened in Atlanta. Four cops now, I believe, have been fired, and are facing criminal charges. These dudes are suspended without pay. However, they have been charged with felony assault. And and get this, get this. This story gets even better. Here's the reaction from the emergency response team that they were part of, part of the unit that was there. All 57 members of it quit the unit. But y'all want to talk about some bad apples. Oh, it's just a few bad apples. The whole response team quit because two people were held responsible for what they did. What kind of bullshit is that? And it's it's stuff like that. It makes it very hard to try to have this conversation with people who want to say, 
we don't need to get rid of the police. We don't need to abolish the police. We just need to reform them. I'm like, how do you reform that? What do you say to these people who don't understand that, like, you should be punished when you do something wrong? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, step one to reforming the police would be for them to understand that they're the bad guy. And, like, until you get there, you're not going to get any kind of reform. And so, yeah, the whole emergency response team quit. And it's just like, are you, I can't. You cannot make this shit up. But, like I said, this this seems to be the incident that is making people realize just how how fucked up policing is in this country. And I hate that any of this had to happen to any of the people that it happened to over this past week. And some of it's just been atrocious. Like some of it, I mean, anywhere from cops just harassing people and stealing their bikes to shit like this, where somebody's in the hospital in serious condition. Like, damn. <laughs> but at least now people are willing to have the conversation. And before we get to the whole both sidesism thing. Yes, there have been people killed by rioters and looters. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's happened too. And you can say that a lot of things are shitty at the same time. It's not hard. But before before we get to that particular point, because I do want to expound on it, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the attacks that I've seen happen, documented over the past week. In particular, the amount of videos that have come out from police openly attacking identified members of the press. There have been probably a dozen, at least, incidents of this. One of them even being a a CNN reporter and crew on scene, live streaming to CNN, getting arrested on live television. Now, I would imagine that a a CNN on-air personality, you have your badge on, I imagine all of the equipment that goes out on location with CNN has big old CNN stickers on it, like they're clearly press, but they arrested arrested the, the newscaster, they arrested the producers, they arrested the cameraman on live television. Again, they know they're being filmed and they don't care. And that and that's just one instance. There's been plenty of them where press members have identified themselves as press, they've shown their credentials, and they've still been they've been pepper sprayed, they've been hit with with riot shields, they've they've been just they've been arrested, and they've been threatened with rubber bullet guns. Again, some of this on live broadcasts. Like, you, you're on TV right then in that moment, and you're still doing this shit. So, again, this might be one of those things where this is now the time where people are starting to understand just how bad it's gotten. And a lot of people, I, I know, a lot of people don't really sit down and think about this kind of stuff on a regular basis. And so you're not aware, or you just think that, oh, people are exaggerating, people are, may, are just... It doesn't happen to people over here. It only happens to people over there. And if maybe people just complied with cops' requests, which there have been plenty of 
videos of that too, of cops telling people to back up and, and move and people are doing it, but they're still being pepper sprayed and attacked by police. Like, <laughs> there is no compliance here. There's no, there's no way to just be like, oh, just do what the cops say and then they won't attack you. Well, that myth kind of went out the window this week too. So, yeah. I mean, I guess round of applause to the police for showing up to prove the whole fucking point of this week's protest about police brutality. I just, I can't, like, I, I cannot. It just blows my mind. How many, how many documented instances we've seen of this in one week? Anyway, moving on to other various forms of fuckery. Um, Donald Trump decided that he wanted to do a photo op in front of St. James Church and hold a Bible upside down. <laughs> I swear to God, this is so dumb. And I, if, this, if this wasn't so horrifying, it would be funny. Here's the thing. Before he decided that he's going to do this photo op, um, Apparently, he'd been hiding in a bunker for a couple of days. Despite his insistence that he wasn't in the bunker, he just went down to the bunker to go examine the bunkers. Like, bitch, you were missing for a couple of days. You were in the bunker. Shut the fuck up. Anywho, he decides that he wants to go walk across the street to go do this photo op. The problem is, between the White House and across the street are protesters. So, what to do? When you want to walk across the street and you're the president and there's protesters, do you just walk across the street like a normal human being? Apparently not. What you do is, and by the way, this all happened before anybody wants to say anything. This all went down about a half an hour before the curfew in D.C., which I believe is 7 o'clock. So around 6.30ish or so, um, park police show up to disperse the protesters to get them out of the way so that the president can walk across the street and get his photo op. Here's here's where things get stupid. And again, another instance of the police just deadass lying. You have video from the protesters about exactly what Park Police did to disperse them. And hundreds of, of people went online to say that they were tear gassed. So, Park Police release a statement and say, well, we didn't use tear gas. It was it was just a smoke bomb. It wasn't it, it wasn't tear gas. Alright, so you want me to disbelieve once again the video and the recorded testimony of hundreds of people who were there on the scene, including people who were in the church, including clergy who were in the church, saying that they were tear gassed. Okay, you want me to ignore that and believe you? All right. <laughs> yeah, no. So, because obviously that was a lie, the, the story had to change a little bit. And so it changed into, well, we didn't use tear gas, but we used smoke bombs and then we used pepper pellets in the smoke bombs to, to disperse the crowd. So, I mean, I guess if you want to argue semantics, they didn't tear gas the crowd. You just mass pepper sprayed the crowd. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And all this so that the president can get this stupid, stupid, 
stupid photo op of him walking with like, first of all, it's him walking with a line of cops on either side of him in riot gear. Now imagine the, the optics of this. And so he's walking across the street to go stand in front of this church and hold this Bible in his hand. Like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me with this shit. And the amount of people, obviously, on the right, because for certain conservatives, Trump can do no wrong. All of a sudden, this got spun as some just massive stone having, look at Trump. He went outside and walked across the street. What a manly man. I'm like, shut the fuck up. This is like the smallest of small dick energy. Like you hid in a bunker for two days and then you committed what could arguably be a human rights violation against peaceful protesters so that you wouldn't have to confront them so you could walk across the street for a photo op for like 90 seconds and then go back inside. Yeah, that's... Wow, I am so blown away by the masculinity of Donald Trump. And... (laughs) God, I don't... It's got to be embarrassing to be these people some days. It has got to be embarrassing to try to make excuses and try to spin this man as some kind of alpha male. <laughs> but that's the spin. It's like, oh, look how brave he is. Like, that's a, that's a bravery. That's not brave. That's, <laughs> you, you did something that if we saw it in another country, people would be like, that dude, borderline dictator. Probably not a good guy. But, so, yeah, there's been so much this week. There's been so much fuckery. Just so much. So much. But that one is just, that that one is just one of the best ones. The best of the worst, I suppose you could say. But to a point that I was, I was touching on earlier, and that is kind of the difference between the rioters and looters, and the protesters. And the point I want to make is there has been a distinct, noticeable difference in the footage that I've seen between where there are cops and where there are not cops. There are a lot of cops where the peaceful protesters are. I did not see very many cops where the rioters and looters were. Why do you think that is? Could it possibly be because cops have no responsibility whatsoever to protect people or their property? And that they can just arbitrarily choose to not go into a particularly dangerous situation if they feel like it because they're not in any obligation to put themselves in harm's way to protect anybody or anything. So why not just go harass the people who aren't going to fight back and just leave the people who might actually be armed and are setting things on fire and stealing shit? Leave them be. Let them do whatever they're doing. It's like, if, if, if this week has not illustrated to you in a crystal clear fashion what policing is in this country, I don't, I don't know what else will. I don't know what else would possibly get through to you. If not, just the facts of what we've seen in this past week. It's mind-blowing to me. And that's somebody, as somebody who actually toils in these minds, it has been nuts. And some cities have been worse than others. I have been very pro-Atlanta because I think we've done a really good job. Um, I went down on Tuesday. I went down to Centennial Olympic Park 
and ended up spending a couple hours down there because there was a protest going on. Mainly, I had just gone down there to kind of see what the damage was like after that first night of rioting, because after that, you didn't really have that in Atlanta. Like, it was that one night, and then that, that shit pretty much got shut down. But I wanted to go see kind of how bad it was. And there were some areas that were that are bad. Like, the, the front of the Omni Hotel is fucked up. Like, there's no other way around it. Um, there's some pictures on my Instagram. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you don't already have it. Um, yeah, instead of doing Blackout Tuesday, I decided to just, you know, go down to a protest and fil- or film and, like, take pictures of that. I felt like maybe that was a little more constructive than putting a black box on my Instagram page. I don't know. Maybe if the whole idea right now is to elevate protesters' voices, maybe go elevate protesters' voices. Seemed like a good idea. So that's what I did on Tuesday. And overall, the vibe was, it was fine. I mean, it's it's not very exciting to go see National Guardsmen blocking off a public park, but at least it wasn't some of the scenes that I've seen out of other cities like New York City and places like that, where it's just like, cops everywhere, cops beating the shit out of people. It's just like, at least we don't have that in Atlanta. Anyway, uh, this is another stupid thing that has developed over this past week. And that is this ridiculous, stupid binary where apparently, (laughs) and and none of this is being done in good faith. So let me just go ahead and say that. If you have a problem with thing X, then by definition, you must condone thing Y. Like say, if you have a problem with people rioting and looting businesses that have nothing to do with anything pertaining to police brutality or the point of these protests, all of a sudden you are valuing property more than lives. No, I I can say that what happened to George Floyd is bad. I can say... Stealing people's shit is bad. Things can be bad at the same time. Multiple things can be shitty at the same time. You can say that police brutality over this past week has been insane. That does not mean that you support rioting and looting. No. You can say both of those things are bad. In fact, there's a lot of shitty stuff in this particular situation. There's a lot of people who don't look all that particularly great right now. And you don't have to pick one. It's not an A or B thing. You, you can be mad at a lot of things at once. Trust me, libertarians do it all the time. If you need lessons, let us know. We will help you. But it's just this dumb, stupid binary. And you see it anytime somebody points out anything about property dam- damage. Like, well, property can be replaced, but people can't. It's like, okay, first of all, the, the, <laughs> the whole they have insurance thing. Let's let's stop this shit right here. Most insurance doesn't cover damage from rioting or looting. Like not I mean if your if your store gets robbed in the normal circumstances obviously, but if it's in the if it's during like a riot, most insurance doesn't cover that. So no, you may not be able to replace that property. Second of all, that ain't yours. That you didn't build that. And and you're taking something from somebody that they did build. And it's reducing somebody's business to just, oh, it's property. Like, somebody spent probably years building that. 
Somebody spent a lot of money doing that. Somebody spent a lot of time doing that. That's, and that's somebody's livelihood. Not only the business owners, but whoever works there. So great. Now you've put more people on the unemployment rolls. That's exactly what the fuck we need right now. More unemployed people. Because we don't have enough of those already. And we don't have enough businesses destroyed. Yeah, let's go set some more on fire because that's what we need right now. Like, can you not? Can you fucking not? Like, oh my God. And it goes back to the point I was making on the last weekly roundup of people wanting to come in to this particular protest and kind of graft their issues onto it. Like, no, this is about police brutality. This isn't about you making a statement about capitalism or business owners or what can and cannot be replaced. This is about police brutality. You you want to protest something else? Fine. Go get your own fucking protest. Stop diluting the message of this protest with your nonsense. Stop it. It's bullshit and you need to stop. I, oh my God. And and even still, like if you point out that any anything that I just pointed out, you will get dogpiled on the internet, which I mean, care, don't care, whatever. I personally don't give a shit. I'm, I don't have to. But it's just like, if you point out that, or if you post a video of a business owner, even like black business owners, immigrant business owners, um, Ilhan Omar was talking about in her district, they had Lake Street, which is right now destroyed. That was a section that was set aside to be developed for black and immigrant owned businesses. And it's destroyed. What? <laughs> what the hell? But but then the, the response to that is, well, yeah, that can always be replaced. No, it really can't. And even if it could, you still took something from somebody that you had no right to take. It's just, it's staggering. It's staggering to see how many people on the left really don't give a shit about the working class. Because if that's your attitude, that you can just destroy somebody's business and you shrug your shoulders and say, eh, they have insurance, they can replace it. You don't give a fuck about those people. You really don't. So, I mean, thanks for outing yourselves that you don't care about working class people, that you don't care about black business owners, that you don't care about immigrant business owners. I mean, <laughs> it's it's amazing, amazing the amount of people who've shown their ass this week. But hey, I guess this is where we're at now. And speaking of people who want to show their ass, we have now gotten around to the point where everybody wants to ask, where are the libertarians? They're so quiet. Like, Bish, what the fuck libertarians are you talking about that are quiet? First of all, we don't do quiet. Second of all, we haven't done quiet on qualified immunity and police brutality for decades. Like, what the fuck? No, we've been here. Like, nuh-uh. I mean, maybe, maybe you might have had a point during the pandemic, but on this topic? Oh, no. Oh, no. You have libertarians who have devoted their entire careers to this topic. You have a libertarian who wrote the book telling y'all about the militarization of police. You've got Radley Balco. You've got Scott Horton, who has been telling y'all for years that this shit was going to happen. Been telling you about the militarization of police. Been telling you, you need to watch. You need to keep an eye on these people. You want to act like we ain't been here? We have been... 
<laughs> We've been here forever. We've been the only people here. Y'all are just, you new to the party. Y'all learned about qualified immunity last week. We've known about it for decades. Where you been at? Really, we should be asking that. Libertarians should be asking, well, where the hell have Democrats and Republicans been? Y'all have been awfully silent. <laughs> it's just, oh my god. I, lot, lot of fuckery this week. But before we leave out of the topics of the protest, um, larger point that I want to make, just because I've been thinking about it a lot. And I believe it was Zuri Davis who tweeted out that we, and by we, I mean as a country, have a fantastic ability to identify authoritarianism in other countries, but not in our own. And just looking at some of the responses of what's happened over the past week, it, it's a very valid point. And one, Tom Cotton rolled up to make the point perfectly, and we'll talk more about him in a second. But Tom Cotton, a man who wrote an op-ed for the New York Times talking about the times that the U.S. military has been deployed to various sorts of situations within the U.S. interior, <laughs> made a plea to Congress that we should be carving out some kind of special refugee exemption for Hong Kong protesters. Bruh. Bruh. And it's not that I don't agree with that. I mean, I definitely think that we should be importing as many Hong Kongers as humanly possible right now. And in fact, there's a little bit of kind of a race going on in the rest of the world to try to brain drain Hong Kong, basically. Um, the UK has done some stuff. I believe Australia has done some stuff. There's a couple other countries to basically stick it to China for what they've done to Hong Kong by basically salting the earth and being like, okay, you want Hong Kong? Here you go. You're going to have nobody left in it. But if you can do that, like if you can, if you can look at other protests around the world and condemn what happens there, like, like I mentioned earlier, routinely this week, almost like cavalierly, law enforcement officials use tear gas to disperse protesters at curfew times. Tear gas. That is something that is considered internationally, but not here in the United States, a human rights violation. That is something that if another country does it to their own people, the U.S. considers it a human rights violation. But you have people in the United States where this is happening to your own citizens wanting to defend it by saying, well, the protesters shouldn't have been there and they should have dispersed. Like, that's not a reason to tear gas someone. Like, that's, that's, no, no, you don't get to excuse behavior in this country that you would not excuse in another country. And that also includes Trump's little stunt. Like I said, if any other, any other leader of a country pulled that kind of a stunt, can you imagine the U.S. response? Can you imagine how hard the U.S. would come down on a country that committed a human rights violation against its own people so that the leader could stage a fucking photo op. Could you imagine if the Ayatollah did that in Iran? Could you imagine if Assad did that in Syria? I mean, I, 
But here you have people who want to excuse it and want to say that it was fine and good. I'm like, no, no, we have a massive blind spot in not being able to correctly identify, like, if something is wrong, if it happens in another country, it's also wrong if it happens in this country. So the events of the last week should bother everybody who is bothered when they see this shit happen in other countries. It should bother you extra because it's here and it could possibly happen to you. But I just, it's, there's just a massive blind spot that I don't think anybody else has really addressed yet. And I think it needs to be addressed because there is no excuse for the kind of behavior that I've seen over the past week from pretty much anybody, except for the peaceful protesters. Those people are fine. You want to go to a protest, you got your sign, you, you got a megaphone, you, you want to go honk your horn, you want to march, you want to hand out snacks, you want to pick up debris, you want to do whatever it is you want to do, as long as it's peaceful, go for it. Everybody else, no, you suck. Everybody else in this situation sucks, except for the peaceful protesters. I like them. I was one of them. So anyway, <laughs> that kind of sums up that portion of this week's shenanigans. Um, I do want to, however, point out a little bit of good news here. We're going to sandwich this in between some of the bad news. And that is that there are proposed solutions on the horizon. Obviously, the most famous one is Justin Amash's bill that he's put forth to end qualified immunity. As of this recording, it's got, I believe, about 20 some odd co-sponsors um, not a single Republican, notably. Mm. Although I don't expect anything out of them anymore. I just, that's a lost cause. Um, one that hasn't gotten as much attention, though, is Bill Schatz, a senator from Hawaii on the on the Senate side. Obviously, Amash's is on the House side. On the Senate side, he has proposed a bill to stop the transfer of military weapons to local law enforcement. So... There has been some movement in Congress, and that is pretty exceptional. I mean, you don't normally see Congress even attempt to do this kind of stuff until it's like critical mass. So uh, uh, props to Amash and props to Schultz and props to everybody who is co-sponsoring these two bills, because this is this is a moment. I mean, it, it's always weird to try to parse if you're living through history or not. And it kind of feels like we are. I'm not sure. I've not really lived through a history before, a capital H history. So I don't know. This just I don't think this is going away anytime soon. And the fact that you do have movement in Congress on this sort of stuff to try to address some of the issues in policing in this country, I think it's a really unprecedented moment. And I'm, I'm surprised that Congress got here this quickly. Like, I expected maybe in a month or two, somebody might propose something, but there, there's already movement. And so that makes me happy that maybe, maybe, maybe something might happen here. Something big could possibly happen here. And for what it's worth, those people who have proposed solutions are not doing it because of rioters and looters. They're doing it because this is the moment to do it. And they're backing the protesters and openly condemning those who are doing violence and harm. So 
I don't want anybody to get it twisted that like it's the violence and harm that's making this happen. Like, no, this is happening despite that. This is happening because enough people have finally said, this is it. Like this, no more. We're done. We can't do this anymore. Like we can't watch another video like this. We can't have another cop killing somebody in custody. Like this, this has got to stop. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not happy with a lot of the things that have happened over the past week, but I'm happy that this is kind of getting us closer to where we need to be to have certain discussions in this country. So pivoting from that, I know this is going long, but like I said, there was a lot to talk about this week. Um, a thing that has come out of the protest, however, are people now asking questions about the COVID-related lockdowns because now, as you've noticed, people are going to protest and it's not being limited to groups of tens or hundreds of people. I mean, you could be anywhere from hundreds to thousands to the one that took place in D.C. yesterday, which would have been Saturday the 6th, is rumored to be in like the tens of thousands, which this is a thing that we were just told you're not supposed to do because obviously you can't social distance at a protest and you can wear masks, you can use your hand sanitizer, you can do all that, but you can't really stay six feet apart from everybody. So now all of a sudden, because of the protest, it's like this open swim now across the country where people who weren't allowed to go get a haircut two weeks ago are now allowed to go to large mass gatherings of thousands of people and now you got people being like, well, that's great, but um, I had to miss my grandma's funeral because you couldn't have more than 10 people in a space at any given time. And you got people being like, well, that's cool, but I've not been allowed to go to church for the past two months because of COVID, but now this is okay. And nobody's getting arrested for violating any of the COVID-related lockdowns. Like if you go to a protest, you're not going to get arrested for breaking any of those rules. And so you've got people like, but wait, we just were told that the most important thing that a human being could possibly do is stay indoors to help either flatten the curve or crush the curve, or I don't even know where the fuck we left off on that. But now, now it's okay and not even okay, but like a thing that you should do is that you should leave your house and go participate in a protest with thousands of other people. Obviously, they're not wrong to ask questions. And everybody seemed to all of a sudden make this interesting pivot to supporting those protests. And... Mm hmm... The same people that were just telling us that you couldn't do things. Now you can go do this thing because this thing is apparently the most important thing. And that's not to say, like, obviously I support the protests. Clearly, I, 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 I think police brutality needs to be protested on a daily basis until serious change happens in this country. But there's a bit of hypocrisy here in people who were just saying that anybody who wanted to go out to a park and have a picnic is a grandma killer. But you can go protest police brutality. 
Yeah. A lot of people have tossed away what was left of their credibility. And there's a lot of people who have taken notice of this pivot and are now questioning, like, well, did I have to stay home? Like, did did we have to do this? Did we did we have to lose all these jobs? It, what, did, did you really did you really care? Because that shit just went out the fucking window. So now what? And you do still have people, obviously, concerned about COVID and now concerned that these protests might become super spreader events because obviously if you have one person, you're in close proximity, you have thousands of people, like this could end up causing spikes in the next couple of weeks. And then what the other side is, what if it doesn't? Like, what if we do have these mass outdoor gatherings where people are not social distancing and nothing happens or like something very small happens? Like, then what? Like, it's... As bad as things are right now, they're going to be worse in two weeks because one of two things is going to happen. Either there's going to be a spike in COVID cases, which I can see it's going to cause another set of lockdowns. It's in, I, the the mood in this country right now, if you try to do a second wave of lockdowns, shit is going to get ugly. Or the other thing that's going to happen is there's not a spike in COVID cases. And because of the mood in this country, shit is going to get very ugly. This is just not going to be good. This is going to be a long summer. It is not going to be a fun summer. Oh, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But the last thing I want to discuss, because obviously I don't think we can get out of discussing this past week without discussing the stupidest story of life which is this stupid, dumb Tom Cotton essay, or op-ed, excuse me. So, the New York Times runs this op-ed by Tom Cotton, and if you don't know who Tom Cotton is, he's a senator and he has conservative brain worms, and that's about all you need to know. He's he's a Trump supporter, he's one of Trump's guys. It's, anyway, he writes an essay, and the... The title of the essay, first off, was not written by him per the New York Times admission after this stupid struggle session thing. Anyway, the the title of the piece was, It's Time to Call in the Troops. Now, I think that's where most people stopped reading. Because his piece, as, as stupid as it is, didn't call for troops to start being deployed into cities where mayors have either refused to or can't get a hold of their situations, which this is an idea that Trump has floated. Like, this did not just come out of Tom Cotton's diseased brain. Like, this is an idea that the president of the United States floated. What it was about was about various times in U.S. history where such a thing was done in the legality of it. I still don't think it's legal. Tom Cotton tries to make the argument the other way around. Anyway, it's a stupid op-ed. It's stupid. But the stupider part of the op-ed has been the controversy around it. So New York Times publishes this. Their their staff, apparently, again, because I don't think anybody actually read the fucking piece, loses their shit and issues this statement from their, their guild, their, their union, saying that, by the New York Times running this piece, they are putting black and brown journalists in danger. Let me cycle back to a point that I made earlier in this episode. This has been a week 
where members of the press have been under actual imminent physical danger from police. Not theoretical, not mental danger, not, oh my God, I might read something I might disagree with, actual physical danger. Members of the press have been physically attacked and hurt. And you want to sit here right now and make this argument in this week that this stupid op-ed is putting black and brown journalists in danger. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. No. You know what this is? This is about a group of people trying to make a moment all about them. That ain't about them. This is not about you. If you want to go make some kind of story about journalists being put in danger, there's plenty of material from this past week. You don't got to make shit up. You don't got to sit here and say, oh, Tom Cotton's op-ed puts black and brown journalists in danger. There's black and brown journalists in danger actually right now trying to cover the news. Are you serious? Like, get the fuck out of your newsroom and go out into the streets of New York and cover what the NYPD is doing. Then you might actually face physical danger. Oh my God. Uh, That's, I just, I'm, that's, I'm blown away by that. But of course, do you think the New York Times tells them, you know what? Pound sand. No, no, we have this stupid, 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 Indonesian war that (laughs) poor Barry Weiss, this poor woman, she makes this tweet thread pointing out what is empirically true, that obviously there is a generational divide in newsrooms and it's starting to turn into some very ugly, nasty stuff. And a bunch of people wanted to show up to try to argue with her about this and even threaten physical violence against her. I'm like, This whole thing popped off because the Youngs decided that this piece needed to be pulled out of the New York Times, not just not not just refuted, but needed to be pulled like it's empirically true. The thing that she said is true and is proven by the situation in which she is speaking about. How are you going to say it's not true? Why is everybody lying about stuff? Why is everybody this week lying about stuff that we've already seen with our own eyes? Like, that's that might be the theme of this week. Why is everybody lying? Anywho, so they want the piece pulled, which causes a whole bunch of other people to kind of lose their shit and start navel-gazing a bit, especially guys like Matt Iglesias, who are all of a sudden like, oh, wow, now I see what everybody was trying to tell me uh, about the generational divide and, and how these young kids are just so illiberal and just want to censor people. It's like, welcome to the party, Matt. Thanks for getting on board with what people have been trying to tell you for years, that this isn't just a college problem, that these kids are going to graduate college and go to work and try to pull this shit in the workplace. I mean, this isn't even the first time it's happened in the New York Times newsroom. But again, I think this is another one of those situations that just because of where we're at right now, as a country, just the temperature that everybody's at right now, and all of these people are not going to work, they're in their homes. So everything becomes this huge dramatical thing because you don't see anybody face to face because everybody's at their house. They stage like this virtual walkout. I'm like, How can you walk out of some place that you're not in? Like, you're not at work. You're at home. 
Like, maybe you need to go back to work. Maybe you need to get the fuck out of the house. So this whole thing blows up. They end up posting this lengthy, not retraction, but not apology, but I don't, it's it's so stupid. You can go see it now. It's, it's at the header of the piece now about how, oh, we published this piece and now we look at it and it didn't meet our editorial standards, but we're leaving it up because blah, 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 blah. It's just so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. But here's my two takes on this. First off, this is my hot take. And this is, I'm basing this off of the admission from the New York Times that they did commission this piece from Cotton and that they did write the title. This is clickbait gone wrong. I mean, the, the whole thing was meant to be clickbait. And then it just blew up into this whole thing because everybody is tense and on edge and stuck in their house and has nothing better to do than to create internet drama. So that's what happened here. I mean, it's 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 obvious clickbait that blew up in their face. And now you got to try to apologize for this, for something that you should have just been like, you know what? We published what we published. If you don't like it, guess what? Maybe one day when you become an editor, you can decide what gets published. But until then, kick rocks. And then the other thing is that the whole focus of this seems to be on the fact that it's in the New York Times. Oh my God, look what they published in our paper. Like, fuck where it was published. I don't care where it was published. Oh, New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News. You can post on VDAIR. I don't give a shit. What I give a shit about is the fact that calling in troops into U.S. cities is an idea that the President of the United States thinks is a good one. And that Tom Cotton thinks is a good one. That's the problem. You got a senator and the president who think, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's call in the U.S. military on its own citizens. That's the problem. Not where the fucking op-ed was published. I don't, it, 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 stop making things be about you when they're not about you and they're bigger than you, but you want to focus on this shit because then all of a sudden you're the story now. There's bigger things to worry about. <laughs> it's, it's and, and this is one of those stories where, again, it, it's stupid, but it's indicative of how far the media establishment has kind of just shoved their heads all the way up their asses that you can make a story like this in this time, right now, with everything else going on, you gotta make it be about you. That is wild. That is so, so crazy. Like, Jesus Christ, step outside of yourselves for a minute. Like, as 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 they like to tell people, read the room. Yeah, you should have read the room before I'm trying to make this story be about you. There's, there's 15 other things going on right now. Like, nobody cares about your opinion. Jesus fucking Christ, people. Anyway, I want to go ahead and end this, but I want to end it on what I will go ahead and preface by saying, I mean this on a positive note. I really do. This past week has, I think, shown that as a country, I think we're willing and ready to start having some uncomfortable discussions that we've been able to gloss over because 
things were relatively good. Like the economy was going all right and things were kind of, I mean, there was, there was plenty of shit going on, but like surfacely, it's like, eh, things are humming along. Things are going to be okay. And now that things are very much not okay, all of a sudden everybody wants to start talking about the underlying shit that's been under the surface for years. But now that like the, the, the veneer has cracked and now you can see all of the bullshit that was being covered up by this very thin gloss of like, things are kind of okay. Things are fine. Like, uh, like the president's on some bullshit today, whatever we, we can worry about white fragility and shit. But now that like shit has really hit the fan. Now people are like, Let's get it all out there. Let's just have all these conversations. And I think that that is a good thing, ultimately. It's going to lead to a a summer of discontent. I will say that. It is not going to be fun. It is not going to be pleasant. But I do think, ultimately, these are conversations and disagreements and issues that need to be brought out into light and hashed out and figured out where where do we go from here? Like what 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 do we want the future to look like? Like where like what? Like everybody keeps agitating for stuff. It's like, but what? What do you want? Like what is the plan here? What's 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 the end game? Let's start let's start having this conversation. Like what what is it that you want? What is it that would make you happy? What is it that would please you? What is it that would you think would make this country a better place. And I think that we're now in a place where people want to have that conversation. So fingers crossed that these conversations will continue. Um, I don't see the protests going anywhere, like I said. And I, I, I hope that these bills in Congress do go somewhere. And... Yeah, there's there's a lot of discussions to be had about COVID and lockdowns and whether it was a good idea or a bad idea or now. I mean, obviously, social distancing is officially over, whether legally speaking or not, it is. I think everybody just basically decided, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. So now what happens? I guess we shall see. But at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So if you did make it this far, thank you as always for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.